Make sure all seats are in the upright position and trays are put away before we take off. Welcome to episode number 49 of the Connected Aircraft Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. Today is Friday, December 11th. And on today's episode, we will feature another session from our recent Connected Aviation Intelligence two-day live event that occurred December 2nd through the 3rd. You can view all of the sessions from Connected Aviation Intelligence on our website, gcasummit.com slash aviation dash intelligence. You can register there and watch the all of these sessions on demand for free. This episode will actually feature a live question and answer discussion that I led during the Connected Aviation Intelligence two-day program with Nick Vandermeer. He is the Chief Operating Officer of VistaJet. You may recall that last year we interviewed Nick on this same podcast about VistaJet's launch of a new in-flight connectivity technology supplied by SES and Collins Aerospace called Luxstream. You'll learn more about the latest deployment status of this new connectivity technology for one of the largest private aircraft operators in the world in VistaJet, as well as how they are adjusting to the impact of COVID-19 on their flight operations. So let's get into my interview with Nick Vandermeer, Chief Operating Officer of VistaJet. Now, let's get started with our first session of the day. Uh, very excited to have Nick Vandermeer, the Chief Operating Officer of VistaJet, joining us today. Uh, we're going to be talking about a new in-flight connectivity technology that they are deploying across their fleet called Luxstream. Nick, thanks again for joining the program this morning. Uh, maybe we should start out with just giving the audience a little bit of background to who VistaJet is, where you fly to, some of your fleet, and uh, where are you joining us from? Where are you based out of? Well, good morning, Woodrow. Thanks so much for having me online again. Uh, good to see you. Uh, currently based in Malta, so sitting in a rainy Malta. Doesn't rain here very often, but it decided to rain today. Um, the Vista Global Fleet uh, broken into about 60 aircraft registered in Malta, flying all around the world. Um, 29 of those are global 6000s. Um, we have a fleet of six Challenger 850s, 10 Challenger 605s, and 13 Challenger 350s on the European register. And in the USA, we have uh, six global 5000s, eight Challenger 350s, and then under the ExoJet brand, we have about 45 to 50 Citation 10 and uh, Challenger 300s, and recently the group acquired Red Wing Aviation, which brings on 15 Citation Ultras. Um, it's a true worldwide operation. If you have a look at where our planes are at any moment um, in time, they spread absolutely all across the world. Uh, there are a handful of countries where we don't operate to for safety concerns, obviously. Um, but for the rest of it, we're offering our customers a guaranteed availability contract with 24 hours notice, picking them up or dropping them off absolutely anywhere in the world as long as it's safe for us to operate. 
Okay. So that's some introduction to the background on VistaJet. Now, I first, you know, I've actually interviewed you a couple times in recent years, and, you know, you all had this really big announcement last year with this new in-flight connectivity technology. So it was exciting to learn about that. Um, now that we're kind of a year removed from that big announcement, um, what is Luxstream, and what were the factors that drove VistaJet to adopt this new IFC, and what's the status of your deployment of that today? It feels like just yesterday. I can't quite believe it was a year ago that we last spoke. Um, well, Luxstream is bringing ultra high speed and ultra high um, sort of bandwidth technology to the aircraft. So finally, we can bring a stable, truly very fast and very broad connection to business aviation aircraft. Um, and it's allowing our passengers to be connected to a very stable uh, connection throughout their entire flight, no matter where in the world they're flying. Over the USA, it's giving us about uh, 25 megabits per second rest of the world it's 15 megabits per second um, which is truly phenomenal um, and we we decided to go for the system because it is the latest technology it's the speed which it brings as well is as it's delivered by a partner collins aerospace who we've been working with for many many years we deeply trust them and already through that relationship there are a couple of other avenues which have become apparent um, that we've explored throughout this technology Okay. And, you know, so now that you're kind of a year into this, um, you know, are, how, first of all, let's just talk about the deployment status. I mean, how many more installs are left to complete? And, you know, when do you think you'll get to 100% equipage? Unfortunately, COVID set the schedule back quite a bit. Um, our first aircraft was at a MRO getting, getting the, the prototype installed. And they had all sorts of problems with flying the, the correct technicians in for the first prototype, et cetera. Um, we've got about eight aircraft currently fitted and flying. We're doing about two per month moving forward. And in the year of 2021, we're looking to install it on 45 of our aircraft. Hmm. Okay. And so, you know, the changes that, one of the things that we really like to focus on within not only our publication, but this program as well, it's just some perspective from operators like yourself on how the sort of network IT system side that has to support and enable an upgrade like this, you know, what, what are the changes that have to kind of happen on that end in order to integrate this into not only your fleet, but your overall organization? Mm -hmm. So integrating it into the fleet, there, there is a period of downtime required, obviously, to put the, the hardware on. There's a new um, antenna, which we have to put in new cables, new routers. Um, so from that side, it's about two weeks of downtime per aircraft to install it. To run the pure high-speed internet, you don't need any connectivity with your backend. Um, Collins has provided a very neat web portal, both for the passenger as well as for us as the operator, where we can monitor, we can uh, do the billing from, et cetera. Um, so purely from a high-speed internet perspective, absolutely no integration is needed. At Vista Global, however, we've decided to take it one step further and integrate a number of different elements of the um, of what we can gain out of the system to our back end. Um, there's all sorts of passen passenger convenience items where um, the router is setting up the cabin in the correct manner or setting up the, the, the signal in the correct manner for that particular passenger who will be on board, as well as from an operational point of view, We've linked it to our back-end systems and then linked it to further Collins systems like electronic flight folios, for example, where our crew are going to be working purely off an iPad and not have paper navigation logs anymore. 
Um, we've also got the opportunity to download any data from the aircraft that you would regularly access from a QAR, from the quick access recorder. Um, we've now got the, the, the um, through the, the bespoke router we've made, we can now pull down on any of that data at any point in time throughout the flight or after the flight, which is, you know, it, it adds the operational efficiencies that Vista Global is looking for, and it adds the passenger um, enhancements that we go for as a company. Um, but that was all us choosing to do it. Collins delivered a very good platform. If you're purely looking for high-speed internet in a non-fleet operator type environment, we just took it a step further because we we want to add a little bit a little bit more to, for our crew and our passengers. Now that's very interesting. I have to ask a follow-up question there. Uh, you touched on a very interesting topic that you're able to pull the data down from the aircraft at pretty much any time. Now, is this, this connectivity is happening happening over the Luxstream satellite network? Can you just give maybe some examples of that? You know, what are some examples of some of the data that you pull down there? Mm -hmm. Well, immediately we're pulling down on things like takeoff takeoff times, landing times, fuel at takeoff, fuel at landing. Um, the, the, you know, the the iPad is connected via the router to the FMS. So every time the pilot hits a certain waypoint, um, they correlating the exact amount of fuel they have. Is everything working out? Does it all look correct? and they move on to the next one, we're getting all that data on the ground as well. So from ensuring that we can issue accurate invoices to ensuring we flight following the aircraft absolutely um, carefully to the pilots having more accurate data in the flight deck, those are just some examples of what we're doing with that data. Interesting. And now we've talked a little bit about the operational side. What about the passenger cabin experience side? I mean, what, what have been some of the noticeable changes going to this new IFC technology, Luxstream? Are passengers able to, you know, use new apps like streaming or, you know, perhaps that they weren't able to use prior to you upgrading to this system? Absolutely. And this is, this is the one big advantage. Passengers can now truly work if they want to work on their laptops and download big email attachments and send big email attachments. They can do video conference calls um, or they can sit back and relax and, and stream a movie, Netflix video, if they want to do that. Um, previously, that wasn't possible. Um, when we actually did our demo flight on the first test flight for uh, the first global installation, we had 10 different devices connected. Um, there were two laptops, which were each streaming independent um, videos. There were three or four video calls going on, and the engineers decided to patch myself and Thomas Floor in, and we had a video call with them while all of that was happening, and the quality was absolutely perfect. And that just brings a whole new dynamic for what you can do on a um, short-range or an ultra-long-range flight. Your meetings can continue without worrying about, will we have proper internet connection um, in the sky. You just set the video calls and you, you continue as per your normal schedule. Or as I said, you can just relax and watch a movie if that's what you choose. Interesting. Um, and one of the uh, most discussed topics that our audience also has had some interest in recently, and this definitely concerns you all. Uh, we may not be, we may not get, you know, too deep into this topic, but cybersecurity concerns and risks how do you address that from a VistaJet perspective for not only your passengers, but really all of your aircraft data? How do you protect that? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, this was this was one of the key elements when deciding which partner we're going to work with. Um, Collins Aerospace, through their network of companies and their, their um, link up with United Technologies, does bring vast, vast amounts of um, back-end support. 
So they provide all the all the firewalls. They provide all the threat detection and threat monitoring um, on these systems. So they've got a very very solid infrastructure which spans across numerous critical infrastructure um, projects in in the U.S., for example. Um, so they're very very well familiar with that. But of course, we have to also make sure that the users are being responsible when they are using the system. I think it's uh, I'm getting a all time high of phishing emails at the moment. Um, trying to get me to log into all sorts of websites, um, not using USB keys that are that are not recognized by you, etc. Um, so our passengers and our crew do have a very big part to play in that. Um, but we chose a partner who we feel has got a very strong um, cybersecurity setup in their organization and in the services that they are providing. Right. And there is one more follow-up question I want to ask you about a point you mentioned earlier, and this is one of the aspects that both Collins and SES have sort of highlighted with this technology is the um, speed to the aircraft it provides in U.S. airspace, uh, you know, and outside of U.S. airspace, and obviously you all fly all over the globe. Um, can you give us a little bit of perspective on that? Is the speed differences enabled there? Is it, you know, really noticeable for perhaps, you know, your aircraft that are flying in U.S. airspace? Like, you know, what's the kind of noticeable difference between those two offerings? Um, yeah, it, it is slightly noticeable, um, but the 15 megabits per second in the rest of the world is super, super more, uh, it, it's more than ad adequate for, as I said, streaming, downloading big documents. So we've not had any passenger truly experience a negative difference when outside of the USA. Obviously, that little bit of extra speed there does make a, a small difference. But you don't feel like you're being degraded when you leave the, the, the US region, which is very important to us um, because we have to operate, as you said, we operate that platform on a worldwide basis. And we need to make sure that no matter where we are in the world, we are connected with the speed that you are accustomed to when you're sitting in, ho in your house, you're sitting in your office, um, you're sitting in a hotel room. You're used to these high speeds where everything is accessible. Um, and finally, we can provide that. So not much of a difference. You do have a slight positive experience in the US, yes, that's for sure. Um, but you don't feel like you're being degraded when you leave the airspace because the system works so well and the coverage is so vast. And, you know, before we do open it up to audience questions, and I definitely encourage the audience, if you do have questions, please submit them. We'll look to answer as many of them as we can. Um, I want to ask you about a, a question that all operators like yourself kind of have to face when they are upgrading to new IFC technology. And that is just kind of the reality that uh, every, every few years and almost every other year at this point, there's a new IFC technology that comes out uh, that promises to be speedier, have more bandwidth, um, you know, enable sort of the modern internet usage that people want to do, like in-flight streaming, video games, even playing video games in-flight. Um, how do you sort of look at that challenge moving forward? I mean, you have this new technology today, uh, but let's say, you know, three or four years down the line, a newer, you know, faster technology comes out, perhaps even like 5G in the future. Um, how do you sort of look at that challenge that, you know, you have this today and you'll continue deploying it, but, you know, there's new offerings that are gonna come up in the next few years. And um, how do you kind of stay flexible for, for those type of opportunities? Very simple. We work with partners who have a very strong future roadmap. And that to us was important because in, in a year's time, we don't want this technology to be obsolete. Um, so working with a partner who we trust, they've delivered to us over the last many, many years on their promises, understanding what their roadmap looks like, how they're going to increase speeds in future um, is 
is the way that I take comfort that we've made the right decision in this choice. And you know, I, I think that another point that we should definitely hit on before we do all open up to audience Q&A is um, sort of probably the elephant in the room, which is COVID-19. Um, and I know that, you know, VistaJet covering you guys throughout the year, it's been interesting to see um, what changes and initiatives you've taken to, uh, you know, address passenger concerns, um, obviously flying across borders and dealing with you know, just ever-changing regulatory policy right now. Everything is so unpredictable. Um, what is it like operating under the current COVID-19 environment? What's What are some of the challenges and, you know, how is, is VistaJet addressing those? Uh, in a nutshell, it's incredibly tough um, the, the, from an operational point of view, I'm talking. Um, rules are changing on a hour-by-hour -hour basis. Countries uh, are updating their regulations constantly. You have trips that are booked and 24 hours before the trip's supposed to depart, a new regulation comes into play. Um, we've met, we've, what we've done is we've set a specialist team in place who are permanently and constantly monitoring all the various changes that are out there, and we're dealing with them. And our passengers are have been very flexible. They understand what's happening in the world. They want to ensure that they are as informed as possible, obviously, before takeoff and even during flight, to make sure that they don't have any surprises on the other end. And I'm pleased to say that the team has, has taken on the challenge um, and yes, it is difficult, but we, we are managing to cope with it. As you mentioned, we're flying absolutely all over the world and those restrictions, you know, vary in, uh, you know, more than you can imagine. Um, the, just the different requirements, the way they're changing, the, um, what you can do and what you can't do. Um, but with a great team that we have in place who are absolutely laser focused and detail orientated to ensure that we, we interpret the message from the various countries correctly. And then we find solutions to provide to our customers of what they could possibly do as an alternative. Um, you know, many countries were closing down after companies had booked their board meetings. So we had to find alternative locations for companies to have their board meetings with nationalities and passengers coming from five or six different countries, for example. And that becomes quite a logistical challenge, but it's what it keeps it interesting, keeps it fun. And I'm pleased to say that we've managed pretty well today to do that. And, you know, just from a passenger kind of usage perspective, not only do you have this new IFC technology, um, but you also are dealing with passengers today who probably are working from home extensively and, you know, communicating just like we are using the internet and using more sort of internet enabled apps, you know, on a more extensive basis daily. Do you think that will sort of drive or increase the appetite for in-flight internet usage um, on your flights, you know, um, not only when we get back to some sort of sense of normalcy, but even right now as people are getting into your aircraft, has that kind of increased the passenger appetite for in-flight internet usage? Well, passengers have definitely been very glad to be able to do WebEx calls and Zoom calls while they're in the air, because it means that their trip can just be so much more productive than it has been before. But they've definitely been missing the human contact. So um, there is a slight increased use of, of you know, video conferencing in the air, but passengers are still wanting to get to their meetings face-to-face, -face, in person, have those meetings. Um, but yes, it has definitely made the trip slightly more efficient overall because their normal diary can just simply continue to run even if they've taken a last minute trip right right okay and you know so we are coming towards the end of the session um not seeing any audience questions here so uh nick i wanted to say 
Thanks for joining the Connected Aviation Intelligence webcast this morning, our first session of the day. Uh, I wanna remind all of our viewers that we will be having another session coming up at 10 a.m. Um, Nick, just any maybe closing remarks or thoughts about the upcoming year as you continue to deploy out um, you know, this new IFC technology luck stream and continue to deal with COVID-19. Um, just any initiatives or, or upcoming you know, plans that you're focusing on for the upcoming year? Um, no, rolling out Luxstream is a is a big one. Um, there's quite a bit of work that Vista Global is doing on the cabins and the exterior of some of the US-based aircraft. That's going to be another exciting um, exciting project. Um, and we remain positive about the future of business aviation. We definitely see the request for flights has increased. We need a few borders to open up. Hopefully, 2021 has a few more borders that are um, more easily accessible for our long-range fleet to operate. Um, but we remain very, very positive and we will continue to invest in our fleet, both from a appearance and a customer point of view, um, because it's a market that we do truly believe in. Uh, and you know what, Nick, if you can hang out with us for a few minutes, uh, it looks like we've just now got a flurry of questions coming in here. Uh, we'll try to answer maybe one or two of them. Um, so here, here's a, a really kind of straightforward question from the audience. They just want to know, can you share some feedback from passengers on uh, how it is using Luxstream and, and have enough passengers used it enough for you to get, you know, some feedback on, on how it's performing? Absolutely. Um, the problem with only eight aircraft now currently outfitted with the system is passengers are asking for specific tail numbers um, and logistically with aircraft all over the world, that's providing me a little bit of a little bit of a, a headache, but we, we're managing to do it where possible. But customers are wanting those aircraft after they've experienced the speed of the internet on board. Um, it is truly changing their in-flight experience, uh, as we've already discussed. So, um, yes, we've had a lot of positive feedback, um, and it's actually super positive feedback to the point where it's operationally making my life a little bit difficult. Okay. In a, in a good way. Uh, okay, and you know, so here's the next question. This is pretty interesting, especially from from your perspective as the uh, you know flight operations side. How many wireless access points are there on the connected aircraft in your fleet? Um, can passengers stream un uninterrupted at the same time? And what is their experience? And you touched on this earlier. So um, they want to know, can you stream devices at the same time in flight? And how many wireless access points are there? Fantastic. OK, so two wireless access points on the Global 6000s and the Challenger 850s. Okay. And passengers can most definitely stream uninterrupted. As I mentioned it, um, on the demo flight, when they patched Thomas and myself in, we had 10 devices connected. Two of those were laptops streaming video, um, full-blown Netflix videos or, or one of the platform's videos. Um, there were three or four WhatsApp calls going. There was a FaceTime call going, all at the same time that they patched myself and Thomas Floor in. Um, and we were absolutely amazed by the speed. All the engineers on board were amazed by the speed. Um, so absolutely, uninterrupted is the name of the game on, on the system. Right. I think that's probably a good place to close it out. Um, just wanted to say thanks again, Nick, for joining us this morning for Connected Aviation Intelligence. It was a very informative and lively discussion. Um, hope the viewers learned a lot. And please all tune in to our next upcoming session at 10 a.m. on Next Generation IFC Networks. Nick, thanks again for joining us. Thanks so much, Woodrow. Take care. Good to see you. So that brings us to the end of this episode. 
As always, please subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. <laughs>